I'm going to call your attention to the book of Psalms again this morning. Psalms 37. You know, evil is running rampant in our generation. And there are times that we can be envious of the wicked because they seem to prosper. I've been taking a journey through the book of Psalms. I've devoted the last two weeks of my devotional time in the morning to Psalms because Psalms seems to speak to the soul. Psalms seems to touch those places that counseling cannot touch. Psalms sometimes gives us courage to press our way through difficult times and difficult situations. And if I had was perhaps pick one of my favorite books of the Bible, it would perhaps be the Psalms. But the Psalms has been a tremendous blessing to me. We see many prophetic scriptures about our Messiah in the Psalms. But the Psalms comes to encourage our hearts. And that's what David does here in Psalms 37. Yes, once again, we're dealing with David. Reading or hearing, first eight verses of Psalms 37. And it reads, do not fret because of evildoers, neither be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prosper in his ways, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it causes harm. From this text, I would like to pin for a title, Choosing Wisdom Over Worry. Choosing Wisdom Over Worry. At this particular time in David's life, according to the 21st verse, David is an old man. David lived to be 70 years old, which according to our standard, and even perhaps in that time, was not really old. But David lived a full life. 
David had seen it all. David had had his ups. He had had his downs. He had had his great victories. Yet he had those times when he was running from those who were evil. Those who meant him no good. As a matter of fact, David spent about 10 years running from Saul. The wicked king Saul who sought to kill David and to take his life. But just in the text that we see today, where it says that they will soon be cut down, Saul was cut down in his tracks. And God gave the kingdom to David. So David here is speaking out of his experience David is not necessarily speaking about what he had heard, but he's speaking out of experience. And he tells us not to fret, evildoers. In other words, don't overly concern yourself with folk who are evil in their content. Evildoers are all around us. And as I mentioned, that we're, with, we're living in a time where, where it seems that evil is prevailing in our world. But understand this, that, that, that evil is not nothing that's new to mankind. Mankind has always been evil. There's always been wickedness that has ran, run throughout the earth. But it's just nowadays we, we, we have become more aware of it. We see it via the smartphones, the wickedness that's going. We see it over the internet. It does not take long for you to, to, to be on the internet and be able to see something, a video that has gone viral of some wickedness, some evilness. We hear about it on the news, the daily news. There was a time I enjoyed listening to the news. And I won't even turn the news on now. Because sometimes it's difficult to see and to hear about the evil and the wickedness of the men of this generation in which we live. So, so sometimes I think that, that we believe that out of sight, out of mind. We don't see it, it's not there. But understand that it is still there. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But the rulers of darkness, of principalities and wickedness in high places, they're there. As a matter of fact, they're orchestrating a lot of the wickedness that we see today. So David speaks out of experience. He's perhaps seen this with his own spirit, the wickedness. David writes, and he gives us encouragement in the psalm. He said, don't be afraid of these people who are evildoers. And so as we begin to look at this psalm, there are four points that I want to bring out. The first point is having a proper perspective. Second is to have a proper place, praise, and purpose. The third is to have a proper plan. 
And then lastly, to have a proper peace. Because that is our goal, is to have the peace of God, even in this upside down world. And David lets us know that we can have that peace. But it all starts with having the proper perspective. As I've mentioned, there are evil men and women in this world. There are people who do not regard God and do not regard the things of God. These people are in the White House. They're in the penthouse. They're in the playhouse. And they're also in the house of God. There are those who seek to do evil, who disregard that which is good. David says, don't worry about it. Don't you, don't you worry about it. He said, David said, I got some wisdom for you. He said, he said don't worry about the man who, who, who seeks to do evil to you. You just make sure that you don't become evil. Because there are some times that we want to have evil beget evil. But David said, no, don't, don't, don't you worry about it. Don't be afraid of that. Don't you fear that. He goes on to say, don't, don't envy the workers of iniquity. Iniquity means those who are lawless. Those who are wrongdoers. The problem is, is that, that it seems as though wickedness pays off immediately. You get that, that, that immediate gratification when you sow evil. They seem to be advancing in the world today. They have the finer things in life. Why? Because they'll step on anybody and everything just to get what they want. You see, you see these, these evil or workers of iniquity and evil, they don't care nothing about God's word. They don't regard what the word of God says. All they're really seeking is their own advancement. That, that's, that's all they really want is the advancement. They want the positions of power. They, 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 want, they want people to salute them and, and, and to honor them. And they'll get it by hook or by crook. But he says, listen here, don't you envy them. Don't you be afraid of them. Why? Because he tells us in verse number two, he says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herbs. And understand that God is watching. His eyes is on the just as well as the unjust. God sees what they're doing to you. You just need to sit patiently and wait on the Lord. You see, because when you begin to take God out of the equation, you begin to try and fight them back yourself. But David tells us, no. He said they're going to be cut down. Just like grass. They're going to wither. They're going to become brown. 
And I begin to think about this as I begin to watch earlier in this month and last month. I have a nice big tree out in front of my house. And I watched how those leaves went from a vibrant green, healthy, look strong. And as this fall became, as the, as the temperature dropped, and the rain stopped falling, something began to happen to these leaves. They began to change colors from that vibrant green to a burnt orange to a dead yellow and began to fall to the ground only to be swept up and thrown into the trash. And this is what's going to happen to the evil people. These evildoers, they're going to come to nothing. Don't you worry about it. Don't you fret. You just stand on the word of God. You just keep doing what God has told you to do. Yes, they come to injure. They're malicious in their intent. They really don't come to help you come to harm you. But God is still able. He still sits high and he still looks low. And so, and so David tells the antidote to this. How do we get to that peace? Verse number three, he says, trust in the Lord and to do good. Let's stop right here because here we see David gives us two objectives. The first one is to trust God. That is to have complete confidence in God. And we can trust God. Why? Because God is faithful. God will never, ever let you down. And even when you don't get things the way that you want them to get, God will make it all right with you. When things don't go your way, you'll still say yes and amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I know everything is not going to go my way. I, know, I, I don't get everything that I ask God for. But oh, in the sweet by and by, I realized that if God didn't give it to me, I didn't need it in the first place. And so I sit, I trust God. This is us being in the proper place. Because when you're in the proper place, you're in a place of trusting God. And we trust him with all of our heart. We don't lean to our own understanding. We acknowledge him in everything. And he will direct our paths. Well, not only does he tell us to trust him, but he tells us to keep on doing what's right. Keep on doing good. Even when the enemy comes in like a flood, even when he comes in to destroy you and slander your name, you keep on doing good. You keep on doing the right things. Because understand that this is what honors God when we have our trust in him and when we back it up with what we do. How can you say that you trust God and you, you, you have ill will towards the evil man? 
You're not trusting God, you're trusting in yourself. And your abilities to be able to get back. But I don't care what they do. I don't care what somebody comes up against you with. You keep on doing what's right. You keep on blessing them. You keep on praying for them. You keep on loving them. Don't stop. Our two objective is to trust and to do good. Don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season you're going to reap if you faint not. Keep on doing good. The benefit of it is that we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we're to enjoy God. We're to be in a place where we celebrate God. Even in the midst of this circumstance and situations. There is nothing that affects the enemy more than when you can praise God in his face or in her face. When you can keep on doing good despite what they do to you. When you can keep on honoring despite what they come to you with. When you can keep on loving them even when you don't get love in return. That's what it means to delight ourselves in the Lord. To be delightful in his presence. It says, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. And most times, most times we have this switched around. We want the desires of our hearts. And we try to delight ourselves in the Lord in order to get it. But David has it in the right perspective. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, if you celebrate God even in the midst of trouble, God will give you the desires of your heart. And the reason why he can give you the desires of your heart because God knows how to fix your desires to meet his delight. Because everything that we desire is not right and it's not the will of God. But when we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord, when we begin to get in that sweet place in God, to where the, 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 the enemy does not affect us like it used to affect us. We, 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 we've been dealing with this in, in Bible study. On our character, our Christian character. What type of Christian character are we to have? Our character is not to fight folk back. Our character is not to pick up a sword and, and, and chop off the ear of a servant like Peter did. Character is to have the character of Christ. Because that's what God desires in our heart. He desires to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus the Christ. And we keep wanting to pick up arms like Peter. But Christ loved them so much that he gave his life for them. And he prayed for them in the midst of his suffering. This, this is what it means to delight oneself that you might receive the desires of your heart. And then we have to have the proper plan. Proper plan is to commit ourselves unto the Lord. 
commit our ways unto the Lord. This word in the, in the Hebrew actually means to roll our cares over onto someone who can bear them. This is what David is really talking about. He said, why are you still fighting the battle when you have an awesome, all-powerful God that you can commit your ways unto and he'll take care of every one, last one of your enemies. But God cannot do it if you keep getting in the way. If you keep giving insult for insult, God is not in that. And God will not get in your mess until you turn your mess over to him. Stop fighting and start trusting. Because that's what David says here again. He said, trust also in him. Let's hear the result of that. And he will bring it to pass. Nowhere in, the, in there do you see that David said that he would bring it to pass. He said he would bring it to pass. God will bring it to pass. But this takes us patiently waiting on the Lord. And that's the biggest problem that we as believers have is sitting patiently and waiting on the Lord. We don't want to wait on nothing. As soon as somebody does us wrong, we want God to strike them down right then and there. But understand that that may not be God's intent because God sits high. He sees everything. He sees right now and down the road. And there are some enemies that you have that God will use you to lead them to Christ. He'll give you everything that you need. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the words to say. He'll give you the timing and the tone to be able to win them for Christ. And you keep asking God to kill them and erase their memory. But understand this, that God loves them just like he loves you. And it's not God's will that any man should perish. And so you very well may be the vessel the vehicle that God will use to preach and to convict their hearts. But you got to stand and you got to trust God. You got to stand no matter what. Because you're standing not in your own strength, but you're standing in God's strength. And understand that if God said that you can do it, then you can do it. Stop listening to self. Oh, woe is me. Everybody is against me. But greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. If God be for us, who can be against us? Satan, you cannot stop me. When God is with you. Because God has a plan. 
And we are to fit in his plan. So we're to have the proper plan, which is to patiently wait on the Lord, to be steadfast in God, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't, don't, don't be scared off or ran, run off by your enemies. Learn how to sit patiently. That, that, that's what he says in, in, verse, in verse number seven, uh, we'd have the proper peace of God. But he says, rest in the Lord. We can stop right there. To rest in the Lord is to, is to take your ease in the Lord. It is to be confident that God, you got everything taken care of. It's like the disciples when they were on the ship and Jesus was in there, back there asleep. Jesus gives us a perfect example of what it means to rest in the Lord. Here it is, the storm is raging all around them. And Jesus is back in the rear of the boat, sleep. The disciples are panicking. They're fearing for their lives. And Jesus is in the back of the boat, resting, sleeping. What is, what, what is the, what should the disciples do at this moment? Well, if the disciples really wanted to demonstrate Christ, they would have found a pillow and crawled up next to him and went to sleep right along with him, even in the midst of the storm. But they wake Jesus up. And Jesus speaks these words. Peace, be still. Why? Because Jesus is speaking from a place of peace, a place of rest. And so David says here, to rest in the Lord. To pull up a pillow right next to Jesus and go to sleep in the midst of your storm. In the midst of everything that's bothering you. Just rest in the Lord. Stop trying to fight. Just rest. And wait patiently on the Lord. To wait patiently on the Lord. The only way that you can wait patiently on the Lord is that God will strengthen you and give you what you need to be able to endure and to sit patiently and wait on him. Well, brother preacher, what am I waiting on? You're waiting on your victory. It's by faith that you believe that God is going to bring you through and give you the victory in this circumstance, in this situation. You wait patiently. He said, once again, he, he said, don't be afraid. He said, he said do, do not fret because of him who prosper in his ways. Once again, he said, because the, of the man who bringeth wickedness schemes to pass. Understand that the, that the enemy is very calculating. He, he, he's, he's very, he, he schemes. He devises plans. He knows what's going to trigger you. He knows what's going to get up underneath your skin. And so he interjects that to see how much or how high he can make you jump. How much he can make you fight. And for most of us, it don't take very much. 
The least little thing that somebody says or does seems to get up underneath your skin and you feel the, the need to fight back. And he says, no. He said, because God will take care of it. Listen, verse 8, he says, and cease from anger and forsake wrath. Did you get that? Stop being angry over this stuff. I know our initial inclination is to get upset, to get angry at people. But understand that it's really not the people. It is who is influencing the people. It is that, that, that wicked and evil spirit that is influencing them. You remember when, when, when Peter stood up against Jesus and, 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 and said, far, be it far from you, I'm not going to let you go to God. He's, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus spoke to the influencer behind them. And much in the same way, you got to pray against that influencer. Don't get upset. Don't get mad. Forsake wrath. In other words, abandon the need to get back at people. He said, do not fret. Don't be afraid again. It only causes harm. In other words, when you begin to fret, when you begin to become fearful, it's only going to bring you harm. Understand that when we deal with worry, when we deal with fear, it causes a physical reaction in our bodies. It causes us to be stressful. And understand that stress can kill you can kill you dead. But God has given you an antidote. You don't have to fear this, this world and the things that this world come up against us with. You don't have to be afraid of any of this mess. Because there are wickedness in high places that are making decisions on our behalf. And every last one of us that are 18 or over has the right to do it to go and vote. It's voting time. And I would that you would keep that into consideration when you cast your ballot. I wish that you would understand that, that there are certain people that are in high places that does not have God's best interest at heart. There are certain laws that are trying to be passed you need to take a very deep look into because at the core of it is wickedness. It's evil. And it promotes wrongdoing. God is going to be glorified. Will he get it through your life or somebody else's life? God is going to be glorified in this earth because he is God. And he is sovereign in this world. He's sovereign in the universe. Which means that God's going to do what he's going to do. Regardless to what you think, what you feel, he doesn't call to get your opinion. As a matter of fact, he don't really care what you think. Because God is looking out for the greater good. 
He's not just looking out just for a few folks good. He's looking out for the greater good. And he's going to be glorified. Yes, even in this time. He owns that right. And he owns that right over our lives as well. I'm talking about those of you who are, are believers. He owns that right because he paid for the right. He gave his life for the right. He came down through 42 generations and walked as a man. Teaching us how to walk upright before mankind. He waxed well with man and with God. Because he lived a life of righteousness, a life of holiness. He went about doing that which was right, that which was good. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. He fed 5,000 with two fish and five barley loaves of bread. He walked on water and changed water into wine. But one Friday they took him and marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They lied on him. Falsely accused him. But Jesus never spoke up. He never defended himself. Why? Because he knew that he had come to do his father's will. He knew that this was the will of God. That he must be handed over into the hands of sinful men. Sometimes we're going to be handed over into the hands of sinful men. But understand that God has still got us. And so they led Jesus on up Golgotha's hill, up to Calvary's hill, where he would suffer an excruciating death. They nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet, pierced him in his side, stripped him of his clothes. He hung there and he gave his life. But before he died, he uttered these words from his father. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Just like that, some of the evil people, they don't know what they're doing. But our prayer should be, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. He suffered, bled, and died. Hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. Gave up the ghosts. They took him down. Buried him in a bald man's tomb. He stayed there all night, Friday night, all day Saturday, all Saturday night. But the record declares early on Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And it's because of that power we can forgive folk. We can love folk. Because that's what Jesus did. That is the good news. And if you put your faith in it, if you trust that, if you're sitting here and you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is the only way that you can get to heaven. This is the only way that you can see the Father. You must believe that with all of your heart. You must, you must believe that until it begins to produce a change in your life. God desires to change you. He does not want you to remain the same. God does not want us still battling and fighting. But he wants to bring us to a place of forgiveness and a place of love. That's what he desires to do. And he's sitting at the right hand side of the father right now. He's making an intercession for you. He's making an intercession for me. 
And he's coming back for a church. And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready when he comes back. I want to be watching. I want to be looking for him to come back. Because I know that then I'll be forever with him. And all the evildoers, all the workers of iniquity will be left down here. And I'll forever be with the Lord. So be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be fretful when the evildoers come. Expect them to come. Because they're coming. It's all in how you respond to them. David gives us a clear view of how we are to deal with them. He gives us that as a gift in the Psalms. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. If there is one that will come and surrender your life unto the Lord Jesus Christ, God is patiently waiting.